And now, it's time for the Dad Bod Rap Pod with your hosts, Damone Carter, David Ma, and Nate LeBlanc. Dad Bod Rap Pod. The earth is hot. The sea is hot. The podcast is hot. We out here. My name is Damone Carter, a.k.a. Dem1. I am joined on this day of recording where we celebrate. I don't know what the fuck we're celebrating, but it's July 5th, and I'm joined by the bros, Nate LeBlanc. What's going on, man? Oh, I didn't know the ocean could go on fire. I really wish you had not made me think of that. That is is disturbing footage. It really is. I watch way uh, too many comic book movies for me to not think something is coming out of there to kill us all. Well, you know, but if the hot boys were to make a reunion, now would be the time. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm saying. Speaking of hot boys, we also have David Ma in the building. What's going on, man? Well, thank you for calling me a hot boy. That did not go unnoticed. Um, I'm doing all right, you guys. Uh, supposedly, speaking of hot, we have a huge heat wave uh, encroaching this week. So, mm, mm, yeah. you ready? Yeah, I've... Uh, I've been going through kind of the the mental prep around it was hot all over the world and somehow it missed us the last right, couple of weeks right. when I'm like, no, that's that's coming back. So get your deodorant ready. Please use aluminum. The non-aluminum ones are not serving you well. Um, <laughs> I don't agree with this in any way, shape or form. Just disclaimer. Okay. okay. People who have to smell Nate, we understand. <laughs> He's rubbing thyme and rosemary under his arms. That's fine. Um, Parsley and sage. Yes. (laughs) Uh, Big, big, kind of big program Uh, here on the Dad Bod Rap Pod. We have been um, doing well, you know, not to break our arms, patting ourselves on the back. But we have a a really big interview, as you know, because you click this. Episode 177 is our interview with DMC, which... um, yeah, I, I really couldn't believe it when the, the news kind of came off the Dave wire that this would be happening. Um, Nate, would you say that in 2021, are we properly recognizing um, giving flowers, so to speak, to run DMC, given, given how flipping huge they were at a time? And it's still how huge they are. Yeah, no, no, not in any way. It's it's not even close. Like these are foundational figures, people who brought this music that we love to the world. Um, had had a lot of success. Were like straight up icons at at one point. Probably the the, the three mo- people most associated with hip hop culture right. worldwide right. were Run DMC, and um, you know I think R- Rev Run is still kind of big in his world as i understand it he has tv shows that have always been kind of running he does thing with his family um and they just they were in a commercial relatively recently i think okay yeah 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 like a very normal guy and not someone who's uh chasing a lot of fame someone who still raps and has a new song um that i'm sure we'll talk about but um no i don't think so i don't i don't think uh you can't become unfamous really but if you can it's pretty close. Interesting. Unfamous. Dave, why do you think uh, Run DMC has become a little bit unfamous with the contemporary rap audience? 
I think there's it's a it's a couple things, but I think uh, this um, prevailing notion that like rap is a young man's game. So anybody who's yeah. like over thirty is like crazy washed. And so the yeah. Run DMCs of the world are like these iconic, you know, most influential dudes ever. But I think to like kids, they're like, who's that? Like Elvis Presley? Like who's this? Fucking, yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. I mean, to us, I mean. Yeah, one of the most influential, one of the most famous of all time, not just rap music. So just to be right. sitting there with him was an honor, man. And like, you know, why we do what we do is to kind of uh, illuminate these histories and, you know, to sit there with DMC, who's like this humble yet dazzling storyteller was just absurd. And I think, uh, you know, uh, Nate, can, Nate would agree with me on this. I mean, and we mentioned it earlier when we were just sitting, sitting there and you guys will hear it in the interview where he's showing us his like Grammys and his Rock and Roll Hall of Fame um, statue, statues and he's sitting in his kid's room. It was just, it was like a monumental moment, I think. Um, I've been yeah. a part of a lot of interviews and this was, this was one that was really captivating and, and is gonna stand out. Um, love the fact that, I mean, again, we'll get into it. You guys will hear it, but we dive into Larry Smith, which, which I thought was fascinating mm -hmm. and something that needed to be heard, you know, mm -hmm. so. Um, yeah, man. I mean, Run DMC. I mean, they 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 weren't just a they weren't just a group. They were a fucking wrecking ball. So uh, I yeah. guess I guess cultural wrecking ball. For, cultural wrecking for sure, ball for sure. I I will I will quibble with Nate's notion of unfamous. I will say that I believe Run DMC is underheralded. Is that a word? For, uh, yeah. With within uh, the contemporary rap audience, I think Run DMC to the boomer. Mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. is like any kind of legacy rock group i think they yeah. have they have a fan base that still cares about their old stuff it's just not rap fans right for, you know for the reasons that you guys discussed uh we gotta figure this out especially as we see more of the icons passing on and everybody feels bad and then i go when's the last time you mentioned this person beyond right. racing to twitter to say how much they you know affected your life upon their passing and so um i think within rap hip-hop community we we've we've got to find a better way uh to recognize and celebrate because i think the growth and progression of the genre sometimes make it makes it seem as though those who came before everything was figured out are not as good as they are i think you anytime mm -hmm. you're listening to an old school anything you've got to go there was no template Right. Or right. it was a very, very loose template that these guys were working off of. And they were creating things that are that are still uh, that are still used. Nate, I'm going to ask you a horrible question and just please play along with it because we're on okay. the air. Um, <laughs> <laughs> where where would you put run if we're doing like the NBA has its top 50 all time? Yeah. Where where would you put maybe not a number? That's a hard one. But like right. what what strata would run fit in if we're doing a, a top? top rappers bracket oh that's a tough one i i think the i'll diplomatically sidestep <laughs> and say that the the totality of the groups uh a performance chops mm -hmm. b songwriting uh c the incredible hardness of their especially the drum palette and the working in of rock influences is incredibly great and influential i'm not sure that either of them would be on many lists that I would be making about amazing that's, that's what I'm saying, rapping. Yeah. Um, but that's not to take anything away from them. It's uh, their group dynamic was still really rooted in like 
call and response and like mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. when you called you didn't call them bars you called them routines yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. and mm-hmm. i i just think i'm i'm such a product of a different generation that i would probably prize more bar work if i mm-hmm. were making some lists if we did a list of top performers upper echelon yeah yeah for sure um i think in terms of like breath control and and energy and all that that kind of stuff uh dave what is what is your kind of like if you were going to introduce uh someone who had somehow never heard of run dmc uh who what would be the track that you would introduce somebody to because i i I would definitely uh stray away from uh walk this way or or (laughs) rock rock box or something like that but right what what would you what would be your like hey hey youngin let me show you how dope they were at at this particular time uh, you know, um, we actually talked about this on the interview as well. Um, I made sure that I did not forget to ask him about Sucker MCs. Um, mm-hmm. That was probably my, also my first introduction because I mean, their debut came out in, I believe in 1984. So, which yep. made me fucking four years old. So <laughs> I was, I wasn't that cool guys. You know what I mean? So, um, but I remember hearing Sucker MCs, you know, probably when I was in fifth grade, sixth grade or something. Mm-hmm. And just mm-hmm. being like, oh, this is rap music, you know? It was still yeah. a, almost like a novelty thing for me at, the, at that point. So um, yeah, that, that was my first entry point. What about do you? you? Do you remember when you heard Run DMC or heard of Run DMC? When I did? Yeah. Um, I believe, and I, I hate y'all right now. I believe uh, it was like when it came out, like Hard Times, I remember hearing um, probably hard times or something like that and seeing the rec seeing the record cover um okay both my stepdad and my and my cousin who's uh, about 10 years older than me were djs and so it was kind of in that vein kind of mixed with the electro kind of right. stuff people mixing jam on it with with hard times or whatever um but i'll second second mcs in terms of like i heard dougie fresh describe it one time as um the first rap record he heard that was just kind of drum machine mm-hmm. shit and he was like oh it's different now he was like the game he's like i came outside and people were bumping this thing and everything was different uh because prior to that you know the kind of disco r&b flu- influence right was still very prevalent and i think um what run dmc deserves incredible praise for is um i think you mentioned this nate is introducing a certain type of hardness into into rap music and showing how obviously with like rick rubin's um genius behind them as well but solidifying what it meant to be hard on a rap record when you hear uh nwa and ren and ice cube's sternness um i i go back to run dmc and like the things they had to be picking up from them um nate would you agree sucker mcs what's your what's your run dmc cut that you yeah i mean um kind of take anything in that that realm um peter piper also just like mind melting amazing rap song um just to be different i'll I'll go peter piper if you want if you want to describe to someone without like playing them like a park jam tape like what a what routine based rhyming is (laughs) you could easily play that we're a little bit past that time they're kind of hearkening back to that time right and Right. It, again, and not to keep tipping things from the interview because the interview is great and we really want you guys to listen to it, but e- e- run DMC is that one of those guys who's still like, I wish you guys could have been there for the mm-hmm. non-recorded 
time mm. in rap, which is what right. people who in that first recorded wave of rap always say is yeah. like they were trying to be like those guys and then the next guys were trying to be like them. Mm-hmm. And this is a lineage. And they're a really huge, really important link on the chain that brought rap out of, you know, just the communities that it was created into a much wider stage. And um, we have to talk about them also as like fashion icons. Yes. Right, right. Yeah. Like pitchmen and businessmen. And like they, it, it's not just because their music was so hard and their personalities were so magnetic. They were really smart. And totally, they made yeah. a lot of good decisions that really paved the way for so many people who came after them. So um, I think a lot of that, um, just like a, their, their best records are like huge bursts of energy. Like it's hard yep. to feel down when you're listening no, to a no. Peter Piper or a Sucker MC. Right. You just like have right. to go in there and start nodding your head and just being like, God, these guys are so great. It's so, uh, I don't, I don't, I, I'm searching for another word, but it just has amazing energy to it. And that energy was felt literally all over the world. Yeah. Re- totally. Re- reverberations of, uh, of that energy. Did, did you guys talk about it? It's tricky and the weird renaissance of that particular song. Uh, let's see. That's I, I was ready for that question. Um, <laughs> it's very interesting to see with a group like that, what songs kind of um, do penetrate the zeitgeist in a 2021 and for them, it's it's tricky, which is so, so, so weird to me. But um, and Questlove was tweeting about this the other day that like that in the end of the day might be their legacy song. How, how do we feel about that? I, I, I remember kind of being a fan of that song, but also like it's a little bit. Uh, uh, I, I wouldn't play hard. it when I DJ. Right, <laughs> right. There's a lot of other records in the bag. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I, m- I might not change the station if it comes on, but it's not really making any of my like playlists. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I mean, the, you know, I, w- when things just become entry points, all it needs to do is just to be picked up in a big movie. You know what and I mean? Some, some big, dumb blockbuster movie and for, forever people are associated with it. So, yeah. And good for them because uh, those, those kind of royalties are, are, are quite nice. Um, yeah. So I, I feel like, Run DMC, uh, you know, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame group um, was around a particular time. I remember when we talked to um, the late Prince Marky D, uh, he had talked about the original Fresh Fest tours that they went on Mm. um, and kind of being around that first wave of barnstorming rap uh, across the country. And so I don't know. I just feel like some of that shit matters. And I don't I feel sometimes that the album era of the 90s um, kind of skews everything towards who had the bars and the most iconic albums, um, none of which you would put Run DMC in today. But I would say of the groups that came before uh, Barring Out, let's say, as, as Nate kind of put it, um, Run DMC was obviously the greatest. Like there's, there's absolutely no comparison. They were, they were the hardest rap group ever. Um, and I feel like uh, hopefully we as rap fans will one day figure out um, a proper way to recognize and celebrate uh, the the dudes of that era. Just before we move off this, I guess I'm kind of sitting here thinking about It's Tricky and it's like, that's one of those early rap songs and th- there are some songs that continue into a later era, but it's like, it's for like kids of all ages. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. almost mm-hmm. like, kind of like a, an R.L. Stein like Goosebumps <laughs> kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's just like, there's something really catchy and like kind of like slightly silly silly happening that's like that's i think why it it retains 
kind of uh, an, an appeal to this day. But yeah, it's it, they again not to keep pushing on this, but this is just what I think about when I think of them. They're like their music has a kind of formality, like a, a geometry, right? Yep. It's like it's yep. it, each drum is like you could see it. Like now, yeah. now everybody sees the beats as like a block of waveform on a screen, and it's like those blocks are in rigid set yeah. and then their verses come in and they're like they're tightly written tightly structured yep um and so there's something about it that gives their their music a kind of a simplicity which is very hard to pull off right like there's no yeah. uh there's no one even like trying to do that now because it's just something that like hip-hop kind of already accomplished but i think that's there's something about their music that will always appeal to children or younger listeners mm. and i don't i don't have kids so i don't know if i i can test this but i would imagine that a lot of the people who listen to the show are rap dads like did where was that some of the first music that you would play for your play kids for your to kids. like show them uh, what rap is uh oh man i always feel like songs like that um uh that the kids put it into this bracket of like oh that's the goofy old timey stuff right. you know what i mean like that's the like the I, monster I, mash yeah right well there, there's yeah. there's a wholesomeness <laughs> to it you know what i mean yeah. like like that's that's what is going to show up on like space jam 3 or something yeah, you know right. and so <laughs> exactly. there's something to be said for that i think um and just yeah. the, the iconic nature of how they look too. And I mean, and the logo led before right, we, totally. we close, we, we got to mention that it was perhaps the most iconic logo in rap history has been kind of appropriated and, and memed out mm-hmm. um, over the years. But again, it was six letters. They were all aligned to your point, Nate, within blocks. Right, right. Um, their fashion sense was new and creative, but also uh, you could copy it. Uh, the rappers right. from before then, um, you know, you weren't going to wear Melly Mel's sparkly uh, vest. You know right. what I mean? Like the rappers of the... Going like a road warrior. <laughs> exactly. Like, right. Uh, that kind of funkadelic kind of sensibility of wild glamour. Uh, Run DMC uh, compressed that into a, a bit, something that was very street smart um, and also uh, attainable. And so, um, you know, they are icons, obviously. And, you know, we're super juiced to have them or have DMC on the program uh, to talk to Nate and Dave. Um, so let's get into it. This is our interview with bona fide hip hop legend from the group Run DMC, DMC, Dad Bod Rap Pod. Dad Bod Rap Pod, every week we have interviews with people who are moving and shaping hip-hop culture. This week is no different. We have Bonafide Hip-Hop Legend joining us in Zoom. DMC, what's good? Hello, hello. What's happening? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. What's happening? How y'all doing? Doing well. Thank you so much, man. Just honored to even be here with you right now. What's going on? Where y'all located? Uh, San Jose, California. Oh, nice. I like it, dude. Oh, thanks, man. Um, that's Nate, by the way. Yeah, um, r- real pleasure to meet you, man. Huge fan. 
And I just kind of want to friends. Leave. I don't like the word fans. <laughs> that's, that's like the F word. Your friends who happen to like what I do. All hey, right. I, we'll take I, it. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I, I'm honored that you'd even say that. Man. Thank you. So, yeah. So um, we're great friends. Uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and, you know, you, you guys being such pioneers, um, you know, throughout the chronology of hip hop, was there, was there a point when there was an artist or a moment or an album that made you sense that rap was changing? And how, yes. what was your reaction? What was your reaction to that? Um, the biggest one, it was two times, basically. It was um, when Rakim came out and then when Daddy Kane came out. <laughs> when Rakim came out, I sensed it was a huge change in um, the way um, recorded rap would be done. Mm. He took it to another level, you know, not just technically and lyrically, he sonically changed the, um, the essence of hip hop. It went from making mm. a record to even, it wasn't just saying a rhyme, it was perfecting a rhyme. Mm. So that was the thing where I was like, whoa, something going on. And I would listen to it over, it's been a long time. So it's over and over, like his whole thing, <laughs> over and over and over, trying to grasp what that is. But then the, um, the seal or the nail in the coffin was when Big Daddy Kane came along. Because now it's like, oh my God, it's two of them. What's going on? <laughs> But I remember when Daddy Kane came out with Ain't No Half-Stepping, it, it, it took the idea of what Rakim was doing with, you know, I was familiar with Rakim because Eric B was using a lot of the break beats that was common in hip hop. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? J just that, you know, James Brown drummer thing. But then when Daddy Kane used that sample, I forgot the name of the group. The emotions. Yeah, it, it brought a whole number vibe signifying that there was still probably another 2,000 places for hip hop to go. And, and, and when Rockham came along, it was like, all right, this is cool. I'm gonna be rolling with this. You know, this, this, this is the next thing. So I'm gonna be rolling, I'm gonna be, um, I'm gonna be, um, riding with along with this wherever hip-hop's going if this was going i was here at the beginning of this but when daddy kane came along i remember um my sound man runny ray rest in peace he passed away of cancer um mm -hmm. two years ago um we came off the road and ray went home i went home we would put our bags down and just go back out in the hollis because we love being home so i went and picked up ray and um, he got in my car and he turns to me and he playfully says, D, I know somebody way better than you. <laughs> and I looked at him and I was like, you know, F you, F you, like, you know, we going back and forth. But then he took the cassette of Ain't No Half Stepping and he put it in my car. And um, I had 20 inch woofers behind my back seats in my Fleetwood Cadillac. And Everybody would get in my car to, you know, play their music. He put 
Ain't no half stepping in by Big Daddy Kane. I hit the brakes and I said, get the fuck out my car, motherfucker. <laughs> and he looked at me like laughing and plastic. I said, nah, motherfucker, get. I kicked Runny Ray out my car and I drove around Queens for two hours listening to Big Daddy Kane, realizing because of Rock Him and Daddy Kane, my career is over. <laughs> wow. Literally, like, so I don't know how I survived those big storms that came in, but thankfully I'm here to tell you that story. But it was those pivotal moments of Daddy Kane, I mean, Rock Him, Daddy Kane. And then also hearing it's a demo by Kooji Rap. Mm, mm, that was another, like right. everybody always say Kane and, 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 and Rock Him. But I remember driving around Queens and um, um, Kooji Rap had it's a demo over that funky drummer sample. And I was familiar with the funky drummer, but when I heard Kooji Rap, it wasn't no yes, yes, y'all, to the beach, y'all, check out my rhyme. It was like psychopath for the phonograph, none of the cut. You know, it's like, and I was like, what the? So those moments were very pivotal in the, the changing of everything. You know, Run DMC was the bridge from the old school into the new school. But we basically just set the bridge up when these guys came along and paved it. If you understand what I'm saying. Oh man, yes. the, the so bridge was said. over. Yeah. <laughs> yep. For sure. Yep. Oh, the bridge was over. That's Literally. amazing. Great story. Literally and figuratively. But oh, that man. was the moment. I, I, and I guess those are the moments where it led into all of this. You know, everything from Cube to everything. Lyrics Absolutely. and just the, the production, the drains being created, the Q-tips coming along. The De La Souls, people forget how great De La Soul is. The, those guys signified at that moment. Mm. Wow, that's, uh, yeah, dead on. That's exactly how we see this progression as well. So that's really gratifying yep. to hear. Um, I'm wondering if we can go back before the beginning. Did you have something you wanted to do with your life before hip hop came along and kind of swept you in this tide? Or did you always want to Nothing. be in music? <laughs> didn't, didn't care about music, never wanted to be in music. All I cared about as a little kid was comic books. Oh. Mm. I was a comic book, I was a comic book buying drawing kid with the glasses that was a straight A student, brainiac, always on an honor roll. Had to be in the house when the street lights came on. Went to Catholic school my whole life. Still traumatized this day by the nuns and the priests, <laughs> all that. So as a as a kid, all I cared, all, all I could do was um draw, but I didn't see that as a career. I love reading my comic books. Marvel comic books was a huge influence. And then the other thing that I basically only cared about was like um the the um the Hollywood monster movies, like you know, Bella Lugosi, um Boris Karloff, Frankenstein, the Wolfman, the Mummy. Creature from the Black Lagoon, and the other thing that was a big part of my life was the uh, the, the Japanese Godzilla flicks. Mm. So I, I basically was just a little kid who was into these comic books, and when hip hop came over the bridge from the Bronx, at the time it wasn't even a showbiz thing to me because I was into comic books. Um, I was like, oh shoot, you could tell stories about who you are over music, and then hip hop gave me an outlet to to where 
You know, I'm not in a gang. I don't sell drugs. I didn't get arrested. But hip hop gave me a platform to at least, even if I didn't fit in, let people know who Daryl was. So for me, it was more of a communication thing. But if it wasn't for, um, you know, I had no idea what I wanted to do. I knew I was going to go to school. Uh, all right, I'm smart enough to go to school. So I picked St. John's University. When I got accepted, I wrote a rhyme about it. Not for a I just wrote a rhyme about it. And it wasn't until later when Run said, D, go in the booth and say your newest rhyme on Sucker MCs, where I introduced myself to the world. Wow, man. Well, thank you so much for that story. Um, you know, there's just so much history to cover. So we're going to jump around a little bit. But yeah, I, no uh, I, we'd be remiss not to bring up Larry Smith and, um, yes. you know, his work with Russell and the Fat Boys and Houdini and all that. And, and Run DMC. Uh, of course. Of course. Low, Jimmy Spicer. Larry Smith is the greatest producer <laughs> ever that nobody knows about. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah, okay. One of those those scenarios, um, there was a, 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 a movie, a documentary about this guitar player that was from Mexico or somewhere a couple of years ago that was so influential when nobody knew he was. Larry Smith is the greatest hip hop producer ever. And the reason why I say that is he held down uh, 83, 84, 85, and 86, because you got to include he did Run DMC's first two albums by himself, and then he did Houdini's album by himself. But to really drive that point home clear, you know, forget about what, no, you can't forget about what he did with Run DMC. He did Sucker MCs and he did Rockbox. Wow. He did It's Like That Hard Times and he did King of Rock. Like his versatility was unmatched. But also he did Freaks Come Out at Night, he did Friends, he did wow. Five Minutes of Funk, he did his resume. And that wow. short period of time was a music that defined music. Like Larry Smith made the bomb squad said we was trying to be loud like Run DMC. No, you were trying to be loud like Larry. But the reason why <laughs> La the reason why Larry is so good is because he was a musician. The best producers are DJs and um and are musicians because all they do is no music. Mm -hmm. So Larry Smith is um instrumental and a foundational entity on the acceptance and growth of hip hop to what it is today. Especially, I mean, DJ Premier, he always named drops Larry, Pete Rock, the best producers know, Jermaine Dupri, who, who, who toured, who was just a dancer for our first two years out there, was highly influenced by the sounds of Larry Smith. Do you think if his name was like Blastmaster L or something, it would have it would have made a difference? Like, do you think that part of his anonymity is based in like using his government name and having a fairly common name? Well, no, no, no. I think that's a beautiful thing. Beautiful thing. He was just Larry Smith. What mm. happened was this: when Larry left Run DMC and continued to solely focus on Houdini, Rick Rubin comes along. And Rick Rubin is involved, <laughs> involved with one of the greatest albums in hip hop, the Raisin L album. So mm -hmm. because of, here's what happened. Because of Walk This Way, <laughs> Larry gets lost in the discussion. But mm -hmm. there's no Walk This Way if there's no Rock Box or King of Rock. That's what made it possible. Walk This Way isn't the first rock rap record. It's a tongue twister. The first rock rap record is Rock Box which right. is the first rap video on MTV. 
that's all Larry, who recruited Eddie Martinez from Quiet Riot to come play the guitar. And that's 84. 1985, we do King of Rock. I'm the mm. King of Rock. You know, and, and what, what, was, what was Larry's gift was, he was the producer who said, what do you want to do? And I was like, we got to make music louder than Billy Squire's Big Beat. That Rockbox Motivation was trying to be bigger than Billy Squire's Big Beat, which is a phenomenal breakbeat that everybody from Cool Modi to the Cold Crush Africa Bambata would, you, would play for the MCs to run their mouths. So when we were doing Rockbox, now that we're in the music business, we was like, we don't want to just sample um, Billy Squire's Big Beat, let's make it over. So we made Rockbox. Originally, it was just the bass line, the bells, and the drums. I actually programmed the, the beat on a DMX drum machine. Oh, wow. It's like, D, okay, you know what you want to do? Here's the kick, here's the snare. He hit the, the metrodome thing, tick, 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 tick. And he said, hit the kick and the snare, do the beat. I went boom, bang, boom, boom, bang, boom, boom, bang, boom, boom, bang. And he said, stop. And I stopped and it kept going. The beat was playing, he picks up the um the bass because he was a bass player. Do 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 do. He put that on and then he went to the keyboard and started going ding 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 a ling a ding 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 a ling a ling. And then he just said that the guitars were supposed to loop in and out. But him and Russell, once we left, me and Run leave, we lay everything. Him and Russell take it upon themselves to, yo, let's leave the guitars on through the whole record. Mm, and history mm. was made. So we laid, wow. he, he created Rockbox, then he did King of Rock, and then he leaves to go focus on Houdini. Rick Rubin comes in the picture. So by Rick Rubin being involved with the, the, the phenomenal Aerosmith event and the album that had my Adidas on it, which not didn't just change music, changed everything about commercial and marketing and bit. So since Rick was involved in, to this day, when you think of Run DMC, you think of Rick Rubin because Larry Smith gets lost in the discussion because nobody never sat down and discussed how phenomenal Rockbox is. Mm. Rockbox is, there's no Eric, there's no walk this way if there's no Rockbox. Man, thank you so much for that. I mean, you just named so many classics, classics upon classics. And, you know, I, Nate and I were talking before the program, and I, I want to ask you, what do you yeah. remember most about the making of Sucker MCs, the time, the time and space in your life, uh -huh. and, just, and just the sessions, the recording? All right. Sucker MCs, I wasn't even supposed to be on it. Wow. Why do you think I'm so short at the end? That was a record Run had written for himself. Wow. What had happened was Run originally was a solo artist. He was the son of Curtis Blow, DJ Run. So Run, Russell was getting Run a record deal. Run had recorded this record called Street Kid. And I hope somebody sees this interview and I hope somebody can, you know, go down into the basement and pull up the, um, the reels, because it wasn't digital. There was no Pro Tools, it's real two inches and half inches. I hope somebody can go find Run's recording of Street Kid. Run comes to wow. me and says, Yo, I made my first record, D, and he plays me this record called Street Kid. I'm just a street kid, street kid. And it's just talking about, you know, most of the records back then were, were like message records, ghetto records. Mm. Life in the ghetto, the ghetto's messed up, living in the ghetto. So Run had this record called Street Kid. During that time, 
we were just hanging together playing basketball. He discovered that I was a DJ. My first love was a DJ. I wanted to be Grandmaster Flash. Mm. So he would come over to my house. I would DJ. I knew how to do all the quick mixes and all of that. But he didn't know at the time I was also writing rhymes. So Run comes over and discovers my rhyme book. It says, whenever my brother lets me make a record, I'm putting you in my group, whatever, whatever, whatever. That was in eighth grade, beginning of ninth grade. So in 12th grade, after going to two separate high schools, me and Run didn't go to the same high school. We went to the same elementary school, but never hung together. So ninth grade, he says, this is good, D. Whenever my brother lets me make a record, I'm putting you in my group. Yeah, whatever. I don't even hear what you're saying because I don't do this. I was like, you do this, Flash does this. Curtis Blow do this, Mo D does this. I'm just Daryl. But he was a man of his word. We graduated, he calls up, yo D, instead of me just putting out my solo record, you write really good, I wanna make a record with you. So he says, I wanna make her, based on the success of the message and Planet Rock, Joe said, yo, we are gonna do a record called, it's like that and that's the way it is. And Run knew how I was, Run knew I was a very smart, studious person, or I was a straight A student. So he said, we're going to make this demo, just write about how the world is. Just write me a bunch of rhymes about how the world is. So it's like homework for me. So I wrote mm-hmm. it. In the meantime, he had to go to Russell and convince Russell his knucklehead friend Daryl is good. <laughs> but Russell only knew me as his knucklehead friend. No, Joey, no, 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 no. I come up and say, run, here's my rhymes, this and that. Um, we arrange this like that the way it is. And then Run convinces Russell after me, like kind of um, demonstrating for Russell, I could do this, you know what I'm saying? But it, 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 I didn't have show business dreams. It was, it was like playtime for me. Mm. So Russell said, okay, since he wrote these rhymes, I'm gonna let him do the record with you. But behind my back, he wasn't gonna let me tour. Run still was gonna tour, not as Run DMC, it was gonna be Run The MC. Wow. It was one of those things. Remember in, um, in, the, in the 80s, all the dance records were sung, sung by Martha Walsh or Martha, Martha, the fat black lady sung all of those hit records in the 80s, but the slim model chick who couldn't even sing toured and did mm. the videos. So Russell was going to do that with me because Run's DJ was going to be this lady called Lady Blue. It's so complicated. Wow. His DJ, Russell was going to make his DJ be this lady. There was a DJ from England who was big on the England scene or big on the hip-hop scene here in New York called Lady Blue. So Run, Russell was like, Lady Blue's going to be your DJ. It's going to be Run the MC. And you're going to have a pantomime breakdancer. So when Run heard that, he was like, no, please, Russell, I don't want no silly. <laughs> so he was like, D, you got to come through. You got to convince Russell. So we go in and we do it like that. We finished. So now Russell says, Run, you got to do the B side. Run already had all the rhymes for Circumcise. So Larry Smith produces the Circumcise beat, which is actually action by Allison Williams. Mm-hmm. Allison Williams was an R&B singer on Russell's label. Um, Orange Crush Records, um, and there, it was um, action. I'm a lady on the move. I need action. I got in it, but the song started. It was a really weak beat, you know, mm-hmm. R&B disco thing. Larry just flipped it and put the hard kicks and stands on it. 
So Run goes in and does his lyrics. And he says, D, you go in the booth and um, say a rhyme because I got to prove to Russell that you can really do this. Because Russell said he can write. Y'all did the switching off. That was easy. But he said, D is not an MC. So I was like, I know. You're trying to get me in trouble. Russell already <laughs> mad that I'm here. You know, because everyone there was like, D, go over there and sit down. D, get out the way. D, get out the booth. Like, get out the, like, I was just a distraction to Russell. He's focusing on making his brother, you know, incredible. So long story short, I go in the booth and Run just says, I'm like, I don't have a rhyme about sucker MCs. So Run just says, say your newest rhyme. Well, my newest rhyme is a rhyme that I had wrote when I got accepted to St. John's University. So I went in there and I said that. And when I came out the booth, Russell couldn't stop bugging me. <laughs> so what I what I remember about Sucker MCs is originally it was just going to be it's like that with DMC on it, and then Sucker MCs was the B side record with just the leader of the crew on it. But I came through so cool with the Sucker MC, I mean with the DMC rhyme that Russell was like, okay, now here's what it's going to be. It's not going to be run the MC no more. It's going to be run DMC because at the time I was using the initials of my name. Um, because I changed my name from Easy D to DMC because of Grandmaster Cass from the Cold Crush, because his initials was GMC. Mm. It was a big influence on me. So everything worked out in the end. Dude, thank you for that. Yeah, incredible story again. Um, I'm wondering, so Run DMC had a couple of distinct phases and you're, you've talked about them and it seems like you you guys were very conscious of your position in the hip hop ecosystem. I'm wondering how did that work in terms of like choosing a musical direction or a, a beat sound from album to album? Like, did you guys get together all three of you and make group decisions oh, about that? Oh, or were record label people involved? Like, no, can you talk us through that a little? Yeah, it was never nobody, not even Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin to tell you, I ain't write nothing for Run DMC. Larry ain't right. They made some beats, especially with Rick. We had all those tracks done. He just did some arranging and said, don't sample, play the real guitar. Um, like I said, I made the rock box beats and Larry played. So in the beginning, it was an all-inclusive procedure. After the success of Raising Hell, the thing that we had did, we got hip-hop on MTV. We got hip-hop in, um, in, in the arenas. Like all of that, what happened with Run DMC was Tougher Than Leather was okay because we had Run's House on there and Beats to the Rhyme. But then after Raising Hell, instead of just being Run DMC, we were trying to be Run DMC. Mm. And that's always a downfall. Like prior to Raising Hell, it was we make a song no matter what it is, it gets us money, puts us on tour get us on the radio, we get a video on there. After Walk This Way and the Adidas deal and Peter Piper and everything, it became, you need to get on the radio. You need to live up to all the expectations of a, a, of a heartless, soulless industry, which was a big mistake. And at that time, everything that we paid the way for you know, talk to any group. We were just trying to be Run DMC. But every group that says that had their own sound, personality, and identity. So since Run DMC had their own sound, personality, and their identity, 
It was a disservice for us to try to recreate the success of Raising Hell instead of just going with what we are feeling at that time. So if, if, you, if you look at Tougher Than Leather, because Jay was so connected to the streets and to the industry, oh shoot, New Jack Swing is big. Let's make a New Jack Swing record. Oh, let's try to make a new record like, um, you know, Walk This Way. Oh, let's try to make... We lost our um, presence of self. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So when we started doing that, the sales go down. You know what I'm saying? Um, we be looking at ourselves and comparing every comparing ourselves to everybody, you know, that's out there when all we had to do in, in let's say 89, 90, which was 89 we survived, 90 was just the back from hell years. And if you listen from the back from hell album, we heavily influenced by the sound of gangster rap. We heavily influenced by the sound that um, Diddy created by taking R&B and, and putting hip hop beats and having R&B singers and musicians play on it. So we actually did everything that made us famous. When we came in, we was doing what we was doing when we was growing up 12, 13, 14, and 15. That's why it seems so different. But it wasn't really nothing different. The, the rappers before us are phenomenal. Because the MCs and DJs and, and the groups before us and the, um, the artists before us are phenomenal because the first rappers have no rappers to look up to. They were the first. So when they get in the music business, because they're in the music business, they started changing who they were. And what I mean by that, their idols, because there's no rappers to look up to, is Stevie Wonder, Parliament, Funkadella, the punk rock groups, and the rock groups, the, the hair bands. That's why Flash and look at if you look at Zulu Nation album cover, they look like Parliament Funkadella. That's because that's who they were influenced by. If you look at Grandmaster Flash and them, they look like Sid Vicious and the punk rockers and, the, and they look like a Van Halen and them. Mm -hmm. When you look at us, who are our influence? The break dancers, graffiti writers. So we wore track suits and we wore the, the tango hats and the gazelles. So our influences was flashing them before they became recording stars. Mm -hmm. So now we get recording star status and just to main just to maintain chart positions, just to, um, to fit in to the very thing that we didn't want to fit into the first place, we started letting, um, not cultural, we started letting industry influence dictate the next, we got to make a radio record. You know, um, my, my manager's friend, um, he always said, man, Sucker MCs was a radio record. That shit was so dope, the radio had to play it. But that's missing now. And, and that, that started to dominate um, our um, pre presentation of what we was producing. You know, the perfect example that I use for that is when you look at the Beastie Boys. The Beastie Boys wasn't a white rap group trying to act like a black rap group. They were rapping, but every element was who they were as people, even as they grew every year. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. From from Paul Revere to fucking um, intergalactic. <laughs> but it wasn't, they wasn't making those records to get any positions. They was growing mm -hmm. they were. We got to a point where, oh shit, you know, it was, it was more, it was more encouraging. Rock him and Daddy Kane and all these cats ain't our competition. They're our influence, like, yo, they doing what they do. We need to go harder. 
but that's not going to work if we're not, you know, and nothing against it. I don't hate New Jack Swing. It's just not for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you can talk to a multitude of people at that time and say, what the hell is Randy MC doing? These are the guys that make fucking party people. Your dreams have now been fulfilled. Get out your seat and let's get ill. That's right, y'all. We're not just rough. We're more than tough. And when it comes to rhymes, I don't care how lyrical you are. You know, those were subliminal shots to all of your, your um, um, have all the cadences and shit that you want. When it comes to rhymes, we got it. And that's all we need. You know what I'm saying? Oh, so man. It became... You know, everybody gets influenced by, by by the industry. The key to your success is do what David Bowie does. Do what mm. you want to do. Right. Wow. That was amazing, man. Thank you so much. Um, you know, um, you mentioned um, Jay being connected to both the streets and the industry. So I just yep. want to talk a little bit about Jay. We know about his influence, you know, with the world. But, he, yep. we, but we also know that he was an influence within Run DMC as well. And I just yep. want to get your thoughts about, you know, what comes to mind when you think of Jam Master Jay, your friend and partner. Uh, he was the sound. He was the flavor. He was the vibe. He was the spirit. He was the essence. Mm. And you know, you can't get no deeper than that. <laughs> he, was, he was the, um, he was the, 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 the glue of the yin and yang you know when you see the picture the, 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 the martial arts picture swirl thing with the two things and so jay's the line in the middle that holds it all together you know what i'm saying he was um he was our um security because when me and run for first started we're not street dudes so by having jay in the group we get free security because the hollis crew you know the dudes from our neighborhood is coming along to make sure we don't get robbed and stuck up, stuck up. You know, so I never had to worry about my gold chain getting, I never had to worry about sticking up. And Jay, Jay's boys and Hollis crew is coming to make sure that he's all right. And if Jay's there with us, that means we're going to be all right. So Jay was the whole, um, Jay was the whole idea of what this urban street culture represented. But he was also the artistic fashionable he was me and run was all over the place when we first started the group we saw the way jay dressed the way run dmc dressed is how dj hurricane from the beastie boys and jam master jay was dressed in the ninth grade <laughs> godfather hats gold chain adidas trap suits leather suits that's how kane he said shout out to dj hurricane and jay was going to high school so when we started doing our first shows, it was always, we need a wardrobe, we need a wardrobe. And me and Rum would go, yeah, Russell, we need a wardrobe. And we would point the flash and them and go, well, we ain't wearing that. And we didn't know what it was going to be until one day, Jay comes out of his house. He got the four speaker JVC box with the two cassettes. He got some on the Run DMC track suit. He got some on the Black Levi's. He got some on the white on white superstars. He got the Godfather hat on. And when we saw Jay come out of his house for one of our first performances, that's our wardrobe. So, and Jay was also the thing that went, that allowed us, when you saw Randy MC, you didn't see celebrity. Mm. You saw something that was familiar to you. Oh, you know, that's my uncle. Oh, I know a kid, you know, even if he wasn't from New York. Oh, I know a kid that comes down south every year dressed like that. Oh, I was in a service with a guy from New York who dressed like that. 
you know, or I went to school, I went to college, my uncle's from New York, he dresses like that. So Jay was the familiar connection mm. of when you saw Run DMC, you saw something that you was part of and not above, or you didn't see something that was showbiz. You know, mm. Jay kept us normal. That's great. Um, I'm going to preface this question by stating that I don't like Christmas music. And so you can probably <laughs> guess where I'm going with this. Right. <laughs> are you, a, are you surprised or not surprised or how do you feel about uh, Christmas and Hollis maintaining relevance as like an anthem for those of us hip hop kids who yeah. ever like Christmas music and it's still being a relevant part of the season every year. I'm super surprised. Super. Su when they first approached us, it was no, we're not doing that. You're trying to make us fake. You're trying to, you want a Christmas rap. Oh, what are you trying to do now? First, you're going to do Saran rap. You're going to, you're going to disrespect rapping commercials. Y'all don't know what this is about. This is a serious thing here. We're not doing no Christmas rap record. And, and that was the attitude of it. No, you're trying to commercialize us and destroy our culture. We, we didn't want to do anything that was fake. But all that changed when our publicist at the time um, from Rush Artist Management, Bill Adler said, um, you really need to think about it because he just said, I think this beat would be good to rap over. So when he put that beat on a turntable and that thing said, so it felt like, yo, this is Otis Redding's tramp. So me and Ron was like, okay, we'll ride around for that. You know what I'm saying? But I'm surprised at it because I thought it would just be a thing that would be done that year. The only time they would bring it up if they talked about the Special Olympics. I didn't think it was gonna go anywhere on an album with Whitney Houston and Bruce Springsteen, just to name a few. So our thing is what the hell are you trying to do? You're trying to make us corny. But years later, as I look back, um, somebody recently told me for the rest of this universe existence, prior to Christmas and Hollis coming along, there was only two things that stood out year after year annually for Christmas. Those two things are the black dude and the white dude. The black dude was a guy named um, Nat King Cole going, chestnuts roasting on an open fire, Jack Frost nipping, that's a black guy. And then every Christmas, you know, the white guy named Ben Crosby would be sitting there dreaming of, I'm dreaming of a white Christmas. So you had the black guy and the white guy. Now, Randy MC come along with this, this, this hip hop Christmas song. So for the rest of existence, it's Nat King Cole, Ben Crosby and Run DMC. You would never thought that this genre or that these DJs and MCs would add something to the culture of a traditional holiday. Not just music. This is a it's part for the rest of existence. Christmas and Hollis is there. It took hip hop from the streets of the Bronx to right sitting there. I'm talking about this is iconic American, um, you know, the historians and, and everybody write about these things. Chris, I'm so surprised that we're sitting there. I thought, 
okay, even after the eighth year since the record been out, by next year, nobody gonna care. No, it gets even worse. Toyota use it, Pizza Hut <laughs> using it, the TikTok, every commercial. Uh, the killer thing was Die Hard, the first one. Mm. You're sitting there going to see an action flick and what opens up the movie? And but after that, I said, that's it. This is, <laughs> they're going to write about it. And yeah, the last time you should have heard Christmas and Hollis was in Die Hard. No, it even pushed it further in the upper, upper, upper echelons of things that are iconic. So I'm totally surprised. And the only reason that we did it, guys, I'm letting you know, Nate and Ma, the only reason that we did it because the beat was dope. <laughs> if y'all yeah. would have never heard it, me and Run would have just been talking, yeah, man, remember that record we tried to make that Christmas sale? Yeah, man, it had a dope beat. <laughs> it, it went so much further. Oh, man. Thank you so much for, the, for, all the <laughs> in, for all the insight, man. You know, as we sort of um, bring it to a close, um, we don't want to be too reductive, but, you know, you're, 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 you're such a pioneer. And we've been asking a lot of our guests this, and I just feel like, you know, I might not ever have a chance to talk to you. So, and I think you might have mentioned some of their names already, but who, who are DMC's, who is on DMC's Mount Rushmore of rap? On the Mount Rushmore of rap. Four people. Uh, Melly Mel. Okay. Grandmaster Kaz. Uh, Kumo D and Chuck D. Okay. Wow. That that's that's the Mount Rush. That's the Mount Rushmore of rap. And you know the the, the, the bad thing about hip hop is this: hip hop's greatness is only judged by the period of recorded rap, which is totally totally, totally wrong. Mm, mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? It's the, your success in hip hop is only judged by the stupid wreckage you make. Records actually make you mediocre because coming into a recorded industry with all the um, added support, pushing, spending radio play, promote this and that, that totally makes the game uneven. Mm. To record somebody's greatness, you know, um, you have to look at it from its inception and what the individuals were doing at that time. So, you know, Eminem and Run and Jay-Z and, 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 and Ice Cube, and you cannot say, and I ain't even gonna say Mel, Kaz, and Mo. You cannot say Eminem is better than Reggie Reg from the Crafts Group. Mm. And I'm gonna prove that to you right now. Eminem is great. Phenomenal syllables, cadences. I can't even move my mouth the way he uses to spit that out. Jada Kiss and all of those people is great. But if you go and listen to the Crash Crew's um, Breaking Bells, for instance, the way they did their delivery and Reggie Reg used the words, if you go listen to Crashes Rocking on the Radio, the way Reggie Reg wrote, I'm talking about the way he's delivered, he said it was the shortest rhyme ever, and that's when I rate a dope MC, on a short rhyme that's better than anybody's 16 bars. Go listen to Reggie Reg on, on um, Crash Crew Rocking on the Radio. Go listen to him on um, The Breaking Bells. 
He comes on when you're boogieing down and the place is packed. The girls are flying, the music's not whack. You feel the bass in the mid-range too. The group that is rocking is called the Crash Crew. We make your head move and make your head swirl while the force of a five make you grab a girl. Go get a high, that's better than Chiba. Look at those flows right there. You know what I'm saying? And this is stuff that they were doing before Rappers Delight came out. Mm. So the, the best MCs to me are also those dudes before we ever got a chance to go in the studio. Uh, listen to Reggie Reggie on High Powered Rap. You know what I'm saying? Listen to um, listen to um, the Mellow G Man on that legendary part that I heard he stole it from Ray Vaughn. When that music is playing, he said, you're walking down the street with your box in your hand and you're playing the music of the Poison Clan and you're walking the pavement of the Sure Shot Street and you're snapping your fingers to the Sure Shot beat and then you hear G. Man. Like they were doing such phenomenal things without assistance. Mm. So um, my Mount Rushmore is those guys. And, and Chuck D, if you ask me who's the greatest rapper ever, I say it's Chuck D. When we heard Chuck D, it was like God has come down from heaven to rock the mic. <laughs> Because of that voice. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Great, great answer. Wow. And we appreciate you keeping it to four. You're the first person who's been able to do that. <laughs> oh, um, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Everybody really? starts branching out. Well, it's, you know, got to get this group you in know, there. Four, well, because you know what the problem is, once you start thinking, oh, yeah, Eminem is great. Jay-Z is great. But big pun. <laughs> exactly you get it that changes the whole thing but totally. I have to give you my Mount Rushmore we, we appreciate because, it oh, okay last question and uh, you know we really really appreciate you kind of reflecting uh, here with us and your yeah, stories are amazing do y'all have a TV show y'all need a TV show not yet but we're working <laughs> yeah. on no, it thank you for really saying need that the t- no, nobody else y'all really need the TV show I appreciate wow. that no, I'm going to put that in our press package <laughs> DMC says go, go to Apple go to Netflix Go to Fox, go to NBC, and say DMC says, because hip hop is there now. It's the biggest <laughs> thing on the page. And all these people going to come, though. Y'all should be the forerunning show because of the vibe that y'all have. Y'all have that wow. thing where Thank everybody you so much, must man. be honest, everybody must be open, and everybody must be introspective and reflective. <sighs> Wow, wow. That, that just made my day. Seriously, that just made my year. Okay, last question. <laughs> Our new friend, Daryl. Do you keep a lot of trophies from the old days? Do you have plaques? Do you have the old Adidas? Do you have stuff? And do you go and sit with it and reflect on your many accomplishments? Or do you just move forward in life? Nope, everything that I ever got. It. This is my son's room. So this is my, my uh, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing is in his room. <laughs> My um, Grammy thing is in his room. Wow. I, it's, it's so weird. I, I don't never think about this stuff. Wow. It's like they, they, they give it to me and it just goes to where it goes. I, I think the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame thing is great, but I'm this type of guy. Being inducted is cool. It's a huge, I'm honored and humble. But you know what's even greater? You know what, what the, the greatest award for me is this. Being considered worthy enough for induction is my victory. Not even winning. Just of all the, it's not a real genre. It's not a real form of, 
just to be considered worthy enough for induction is a bigger victory, not just for me, but for anybody who would ever say it to hip hop. Wow. I, we're just speechless. Thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank uh, you very much uh, for your time. This is a great yeah. interview, and we really, really appreciate it. Yeah, I, I, we we grew up with your music, and we're obvious fans. And and your your humility up, is humbling. We all grew up together. <laughs> oh man! So shameless plug, please. In a couple of, of weeks, uh, um, a couple of weeks, we got one of the dopest songs ever. That is an event in hip hop, and it's really special because it's produced by Bumpy Knuckles. Mm. People know who Bumpy Knuckles is, one of the greatest voices and lyricists in the game yep. ever, but he's producing. Bumpy Knuckles has produced a song featuring DMC, Chuck D, Ice-T, and Drumroll, the immortal, immortal and incomparable DJ Jazzy Jeff. Wow. Oh. Coming soon. It's wow. an event, and the song is called Me and My Microphone. Wow. Cannot wait to hear so that. We got Four different genres, four different, you got a political rap, you got commercial rap, you got underground production, you got wow. a DJ on a record, and then you got gangster rap. Now, how could that all work together? Let me just say it does. <laughs> <laughs> so coming soon, me and my microphone, featuring some of your best people you love. Can't wait, man. We Amazing. cannot wait. And yeah, we just want to say thank you. A million thanks, man. This this. Thank you. This is amazing. I was right. left speechless. All so right. thank you. <laughs> All right. Keep my contacts. Anytime you want commentary, if you got a question, reach out to me. Really, oh, really man. appreciate that. 100%. Thank you so much. Thank Enjoy you so your much, evening. Man. Yeah. Cool. I'll see you in San Jose soon. Yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> bye thank bye. you. Thank you. Bye. Man. Thanks. You got it. Yeah, so that happened. Woo! Uh, that was insane. That was insane. Just a crazy, a crazy thing that I didn't think would happen in my life. Um, really, really cool to talk to a legend of all legends. I don't. I feel like the three of us are pretty good about not throwing that word around. Yeah. Um, as much as some other folks in the culture, but like when you, I, I want to use it correctly. You know what I mean? Right. Yep. Uh, right. What What is it? The Chris Crack record. He's like. Uh, washed MCs ain't legends or something <laughs> right. like that which is a funny sentiment and his his titles are always hilarious but like run dmc those three guys actually the whole organization from larry smith to right you know jam master jay who we touched on to run who is obviously hugely high at the top of our list who we'd love to talk to as well if you're listening reverend uh would be unqualified yeah. legend oh the absolutely right we throw absolutely. around the word legend even like jokingly like that dude's a legend but yeah. these right. are real fucking legends so yeah, yeah <laughs> to, just to, to be in his presence is crazy i mean i've i've been able to to be at the table with other legends as well but i've never spoken to anybody from run dmc and 
to just like to hear those stories and they're just so gripping and like also like he's just so present you know what yeah. i mean like yeah. i get the feeling that like whatever room he walks in he is that way he walks that way right? oh, oh. <laughs> but, but you know what i mean like yeah, i do i do I, uh, just to kind of yes andy you there dave like sometimes during the interviews i like doodle or like look on my phone or like look up a fact that right, someone right. checking i was like no i'm talking to dmc daryl totally totally and the rhymes are daryl's but the burgers are ronald's you know what i mean it's like that guy <laughs> right 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 Crazy and this, to me just yeah it, it was insane it was insane i loved you know like uh, we we mentioned like um the how rap changed and like for him to actually be that literal benchmark that little literal watershed moment was crazy you know yeah, um, a couple of times and then it, to be so self-aware to be right. like i know we didn't make the right decisions at this point in our career right. i don't like new jack swing music it's like wow yeah. crazy totally wow. so self-aware so self-aware and for the dudes who who kind of did it all you know um it was great hearing how like run was like the son of curtis blow Yep. You know, and, yep. uh, you know, Curtis Blow was sort of like the, the first, you know, perfectly Jerry curled representation of, of hip hop yep. when it first uh, when it first um, came about. And he was doing stadiums in in Japan in like 1985 or like crazy shit. Crazy. Right. So to hear that, that, you know, run was sort of the link between Curtis Blow and Run DMC and then to see what Run DMC did thereafter is just insane. Yeah, and I weird. and I have to say, just from like an ego perspective, with the part where he's like, "Do y'all have a TV show?" Oh <laughs> like, man! Oh my God, is this happening right now? Yeah, like, that's that, crazy. That I was mean, very flattering. And if uh, anyone wants to help us pursue that goal, DMs yeah. are <laughs> wide open. Um, I was I've been thinking about this a lot since he said that, and like I think about it all the time anyway. But it would be interesting for us to have an actual vessel besides the podcast to do the like giving of the flowers yep to do oh, some right. kind of like career breakdown thing and tell oh. why people are important and then interview them and ask them about it with you some know, visual representation Netflix, i think would you go listening? hard yeah yeah 100 i mean that's that's kind of what i do journalistically so to be able to like have a show and a platform to sit there with you guys and another legend would just be insane Totally. Well, I just well, keep saying that. I can't say anything. I told Dave in the group chat, if uh, we get a TV show, I'll whiten my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I, I didn't know where you're going when you said whiten. I'm like, <laughs> Nate, where's there to go? Oh, your teeth. Like, you know, TV is white enough, bro. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I was like, you're going to whiten teeth? Um, yeah, man. That, that would be amazing. I think through the Zoom era, uh, we have learned that we have faces. And uh, <laughs> right. they're not, not next, they're, yeah, <laughs> inside, inside joke. Um, yeah, so that that was dope. I'm glad you guys got to got to chop it up with them. I'm glad I kind of get to experience this interview as a you were missed, my friend. I know you totally, had a lot of crazy totally. life stuff going on and we really wanted you to be there with us. But um, I'm glad we got it on the record. And, you know, you yeah, the man. way that we're a team always infuses the style of interview. So it couldn't totally. happen without you, big dog. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Your, you. your, your, the lack of your presence was felt for sure. Yeah, I it's it's tricky, Dave. Um, so, uh, <laughs> let's, uh, let's switch gears as we, as we round home on this episode, 177 historic episode. Um, let's talk about a new record that is, uh, getting bantered about quite a bit. Um, and this is Tyler, the creator's 
uh, Call Me If You Get Lost, his new Gangster Grills mixtape. Number uh, one record in the country. Is it? Yeah. I, wow. I, I fucking love it. So, yeah. I mean, you know, just just off top, I fucking love that album, dude. I love I love his progression. I love that, you know, when you're looking back at his catalog, you have something like fucking Igor and then this. It's just insane. Back to back. Yeah, totally. And, you know, I think I do find a continuity with, with Run DMC, too. I mean, given that they were like the first benchmarks. And mm-hmm. then looking mm-hmm. at Tyler, he's like a hip hop artist where the, um, the, the, the potential is limitless. You know what I mean? Yeah. His ceiling for like what he's going to do, it just seems wide open. So, um, yeah, there's a little bit of a corollary. I mean, we, look, we looked at like the first groundbreaking group to the dude who's going to break every ground, you know? Totally. I thought you were going to say because you have a bad sense of direction. <laughs> You're just digging the whole title and the whole travelogue feel. Uh, what's it called? I have to say a couple of things. There's two little like monologue kind of moments that are not songs that I just love on this record. One is where Tyler is explaining how he just doesn't experience fear or anxiousness. Mm. He, just, he just does things yeah. and like how life has like completely like he has bent reality to his will. He yeah. has made the life for himself that he wants to have as a like scared, anxious person. I just like love hearing that and seeing totally. the results of it. And then something we, we chatted a little about, uh, a bit about kind of between us, but I wanted to say to the listeners is, yes, he talks a lot about his riches and his travels and his girls and his cars and his suitcases and his <laughs> weird Russian hats. But yeah. he made that money Rapping, rapping. Yeah. Right. A weird right. alternative mm-hmm. rapper selling his version of fashion, which like totally tie-dye is so common now. None of these white girls would be wearing tie-dye if it wasn't for Odd Future 10 years ago. Like right. he, he brought his deal to the mainstream while doing wild underground rap, alternative RB that yep. DJ Khaled thinks is weird. And <laughs> like Khaled. just living his his version of what he sees and like by like going at steve harvey and the rap blogs and like Mm -hmm. being confrontational so it's diff we we listen to luxury rap about drug sales so often it's really really dope to listen to luxury rap about music sales totally totally that's uh that's a that's a great a great point nate i feel like um tyler did it his way um and he has become <clears throat> now since Kanye West has lost his absolute fucking mind. Tyler has become that artist that you just have to check for what he's doing, even yeah, if it's not your yeah. bag. And I know for you guys, Igor was not necessarily your bag. I did listen to it, though, because you it have to a, check for what he's doing. You have went, to check for what he's doing. Yeah, I, I went to the Igor show and it was one of the best shows ever. But I haven't I haven't gone to an odd future show. You know what I mean? Wow. So that that right. sort of should should show you, you know, his his. Um, uh, uh, progression because it's just like you don't even know what the next left turn is going to be no and i feel like this this record in particular um for him to go back to rapping rapping yeah um i thought maybe igor if you follow the the progression from flower boy he gets a little bit more introspective mm-hmm. less homophobic mm-hmm. um more musical on flower boy it extends into igor even more r&b influence not that much rapping on it right. um i thought that maybe you know how sometimes artists make this turn and then they kind of never they never look back but he's like nah this you're gonna get a gangster girls mixtape like literally dj totally. drama is here totally uh screaming on the next out Dude. <laughs> with, with uh 
which caused some interest, interesting kind of uh, tension between some of the younger parts of uh, Tyler's fan base, especially kids who got involved around Igor and Flower Boy. Yeah, fuck like, those kids. Who is <laughs> <laughs> Michael Jordan. <laughs> Man, fuck them kids. Michael uh, Jordan. But yeah, it's it's been interesting to see, um, depending on when you got with Tyler, uh, how you received this record. I feel like um, it's one of those where if you understood the mixtape era in like, Right. The best parts of that. Tyler really brought that totally. to the fore. I mean, the, these songs are like a minute and a half, two minutes, you know, yep. and, and then yep. there's a ridiculous Lil Wayne verse, you know, just yep. things like yep. that. It's- yep. I will say I've never been a huge fan of DJ yelling on records, except for <laughs> Evil D is on the mix. Come on, kick it. Uh, but <laughs> I like it here because that's what he wants. He tweets in 2011, I want to be on a DJ drama record. We're in 2021, he has one. It's totally. Really, I love that for him. Like, that's, yep. that's right. amazing. If that's what he wants, I'm here for it. No ceiling, he, dude. The yeah, dude has no exactly. ceiling. It's crazy. I thought DJ yeah. drama was funny and like for someone yelling on the record, pretty unobtrusive. It's usually during parts that aren't. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Other yeah. Stuff right. Isn't happening. Right. But um, I, I want to pose this question to you guys and this is more my deal but i'm just wondering and maybe you haven't listened to this in the depth that i have but the eight minute basically album closing story song wilshire mm. is this a song about not getting the girl or is it a jo- a song about choosing not to get the girl right you know what i'm right. saying or, or mm-hmm. getting the guy i think uh, <laughs> totally I think, totally i think uh tyler's re- what he's done with relationship songs in rap, I think doesn't get enough credit um, for the fact that he's not doing your kind of central casting, uh, either rapper rapping about not getting the girl or getting the girl. Um, there's a lot of layers when I listen to this stuff. I'm like, this is a lot of layers. And it's it's just great songwriting. I'm not sure, Nate, if it fits into yeah, much of those I, buckets. I, I but... have listened to it a bunch of times. It's a really, really dope song. It's just interesting that like it's a pretty nuanced story and it feels true to life. I have no idea, mm. I have no insight into what his life is like, but like I don't think you, I don't think that was literary fiction. Right. Right. That felt right. pretty lived right. in. But I mean may, maybe that's part of his gift too to make the fiction sound real and relatable, you know. Yeah, um, yeah it's just crazy. What is this album for? Uh, for Tyler? Yeah. I think if you count all the mixtapes and stuff it's No, seven. like official. It's like seven. Official. He oh. he calls it he calls this album seven. Oh, does he? Okay. Yeah, if, he, yeah. if that's what he calls it. Okay. Yeah. okay. He starts he calls, from uh, Bastard. It's Bastard yeah. to this. Right? I mean, it still feels like we're in the midst of something. You know? Yeah, what yeah. I mean? He's so not, that, he, there hasn't been a peak yeah. to your point, Dave. Um, I feel like uh, he can, you know, he can keep going and going and moving in different directions. Really good rapper, also a musician, also collaborates uh, incredibly well. And so it'll be interesting to see what the next thing is because you literally have no idea now totally. mm-hmm. like, and that's yeah it's like what <laughs> he's gonna do a dance hall record who knows totally like, yeah I'm with you, it. and you, know. you would have to check for it uh yeah. because if, if tyler did a post-punk record i would be what i would be so excited to right? hear that to hear the exactly. prospect of that because he's such a creative you know yeah yeah per per the name he told us many <laughs> many 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 years ago so uh we do you definitely guys think this will be on your end of your list Absolutely. So far, yes. Yeah. One hundred percent. Absolutely. Um, it's it's gonna be to me. I'll I'll call it right now. It's gonna be the best major, you know, label release. Oh, for sure. Of of rapping, like of the of that strata, 
um it's it's definitely going to be the best uh that that came out i thought it was interesting though that he starts off um this first track which i'm the name is escaping me uh same sample that that west side gun uh wrapped on yeah. on uh oh my god i'm forgetting fly god three mm. um and i i don't know i just always find things like that that interesting is that a callback because i know that they're right. they're definitely cool um but yeah, just the beat selections, the rappers who featured on it. Well, there's uh, the um, Gravedigger's beat as well. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah, which, which, is, uh, which sounds great. And you know, another yeah. thing, his voice, yeah, Tyler has a very unique voice, but it really works over fucking all these soundscapes, dude. I mean, is it just, is it just by way of having a deep voice? Right. Nate, as, a deep, as a deep voice person. Do I don't you know what find... you're talking about. The most. <laughs> yeah. But there are um, other people, there are other people yeah, with deep yeah. voices that like yeah. it doesn't always work. So right. I think him sort of refining his voice as an instrument too is something to be to look out I'm, for. I'm glad you yep. said that, Dave, because something I really wanted to say when we talked about this, he has gotten markedly better as a rapper. Totally. Like, totally. He's a Inflection. much, much better rapper than the kid who we first heard. As you totally. would think, he's he grows up in the industry, he's refined his entire skill set he's gotten a lot better at everything mm-hmm. but I, I think where the record it's a it's it's a pretty damn rapidly rap record up until yep. a certain point and then he yep. starts to introduce the kind of chamber pop elements and blend it with this new or this this current kind of mm-hmm. thing that he has in mind and that's that's where i think the record sets itself apart from mm-hmm. other if he had done a straight up mixtape mixtape and just rhymed over other people's beats or whatever like it was the the 2010s this would be a cool curiosity people are saying album of the year people are saying his best work ever um i think the putting it all together is what helps it transcend and to to your point dave like he has learned to use his voice in a couple of different ways but at the end of the day he's always like the the frog under the bridge kind of right has that gravelly deep totally raspy thing where it sounds like he like gargles pebbles from the time he's a kid and that's something that is impossible to not notice right yes it's yeah. just it, it draws you in because it's such a unique instrument so i i yeah I, it's a really cool record talking to like because we haven't really hung out that much we haven't really talked about it yet i'm like like more now that we're talking about it like, <laughs> i'm gonna listen to it again tonight you know i what I, I, mean? I i love how he's like i got so much self-respect i wash my hands before i piss yeah he was he was ahead he was ahead on that trend um i i feel like uh it will be one of the the album of the year um candidates and i also feel like you know it's interesting to see how a record influences others i don't think um igor is not necessarily something that you could uh that's fairly easy to imitate right uh because it's so it's so damn musical but i i'm i'm interested to see if this kind of sparks this uh kind of postmodern reverential mixtapey thing uh with with other folks it'll be interesting i only personally besides evil d um dj drama is one of the few that i can tolerate the shtick from he and he I, says cool weird funny stuff there's a lot of times unexpected things that yeah. make it yeah. tolerable yeah 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 it's not funk master flicks literally totally. just like just screaming gonna, at you yeah. where you're I was like gonna say he's actually the least dramatic and uh i think we all appreciated kid capri's uh contributions to damn that was like the modern touchstone for this yeah 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 Uh, yeah yeah but that was that was a little bit strange and i i tweeted about this very early in the run and kid capri got at me on twitter like i was like that was kind of weird and he's like adult capri yeah (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, that's so good. Well, West Coast <laughs> artists typically don't do that. You know what I mean? We we are uh, that that is something that culturally we're there isn't a West Coast DJ that that screams as such. Uh, but yeah, we're happy to uh, to see the the link up happen and just interested to see where Tyler goes in his career. Um, you know, but we're like you excited. We're coming to the home stretch of the of the of the year, guys. Uh, yeah, there's I gonna mean, be we're running out a year basically. Yeah, summer's, is there summer's halfway over? It's crazy. Is there anybody coming out? Is there anything that we we should be? Uh, I just know that last week was really slow for music because probably because of the holiday weekend so yeah i uh, for me it's kind of nice we often say like god i wish they would stop releasing music so i could catch up on some stuff it it kind (laughs) of was like that on friday totally totally well fuck man hopefully uh, to answer your question damon perhaps kendrick if that happens uh no no kendrick till 2025 you just, you, gotta, you just gotta let go of uh that nah I, I i don't see it but i think um i don't know i would see them wanting to tour next year right you, you know, know what i mean like interesting yeah. is like is the being back outside thing where everybody needs to go make money and get out on tour and tour their quarantine albums gonna stop them from recording yeah i albums. think so I think so. I, I mean, uh, Freddie Gibbs, uh, when I spoke to him, was like, I made the best music of my life and could not perform any of it for a year. Yeah. So it, it seems like now he now that's what he's going to do with this with this intense tour schedule. Yeah. And like, yeah. how the fuck do you write brilliant songs like while you're on the road? I guess it's been done. But 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 definitely more difficult and just interested to see if that's kind of the catalyst for uh it's so weird they used to be like oh i have to get off tour so i can make a new record they're like i gotta stop making records so i can go on tour because that's like the the economics of the industry i'm about to say when we stop paying for records uh that's when uh that's when the touring became became central but right yeah you know we're 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 holding out we're holding out for uh more dope releases there's been a bunch we try our best to keep you abreast of what the fuck is going on in the hip-hop genre uh, you can connect with us on Twitter at Dad Bod Rap Pod. You can also connect with us on Instagram at Dad Bod Rap Pod. Do, do we have any mugs left? Nate, can you look in the cupboard right now and see <laughs> if we got mugs? I, I believe the link is still live, but we are we are getting down to it. Yeah. So uh, get your early Christmas shopping done now. The last of the limited edition. Thanks Dad for everybody who sends mugs. the pictures, even if you don't send them publicly. Um, some people just send them to us, which is still cool. But yeah, it's yeah. been a cool little way to connect with folks. It's nice to see people using them. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I think we're kind of coming to the end of that cycle. Okay, okay. But we'll have definitely some more merch for y'all uh, in the coming future. Shout out to Stony Island uh, Podcast Network and our podcast benefactor, Open Mike Eagle, who is back on the road. And I don't anticipate us ever seeing again. Uh, <laughs> We're actually so going to cool. kick it with them soon. Oh, the, that's right. When they the when yeah. when uh, the show comes to uh, to San Francisco. So, um, shout out to the entire network. The movement keeps moving on, and we're glad to be a part of it. As we are the Dad Bod Rap Pod. Shut up.
Stony Island Audio.